Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Tara Barrett, and today's guest is Brian Cherwick. Brian specializes in Eastern European traditional music, diaspora cultures, ethnic music, and music industry. His dissertation focused on the influences of social conditions and popular music on the development of Ukrainian traditional music in Western Canada. He is also an active performer, composer, and music educator, and has appeared and performed in performances and conducted seminars and workshops throughout North America and Europe, as well as performing with the Cubasonics, who are arguably Newfoundland's finest, Newfoundland's finest Ukrainian band. Hi, Brian, and welcome to the show. Hi, Tara. How are you today? Pretty good, thanks. Um, first to start off, I, I love the quote that the Cubasonics are arguably Newfoundland's finest Ukrainian band. Why do you say arguably? Well, there might be another one out there that we just don't know about. <laughs> you know, somewhere around the bay, there might be another Ukrainian band, like, just tearing it up. No, i got to say, I love that. As When I was looking on the website, I thought that was quite quite hilarious. Uh, so today we were here to t- kind of talk about Ukrainian winter customs, I guess, and w- winter festivals. Uh, so to start off, I guess, what is um, what is Ukrainian Christmas like? Well, uh, lots of Ukrainians uh, celebrate their Christmas uh, at a different time than most of the rest of the world do. It ca- has to do with, some, with the church calendars that they uh, s- some Ukrainians follow. So lots of the uh, Orthodox Christians and there's also uh, Ukrainian Catholics who also follow a uh, uh, the Julian calendar, which was the old calendar before it got changed, you know, uh, several hundreds of years ago. When they when they figured out that they had missed by a few minutes per year or whatever, so they had to rejig. So we're we're 14 days behind now. So the rest of the world caught up, and 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 uh, many Ukrainians stayed on that on that system. Actually, in Ukraine right now, they're talking about switching over to have their Christmas on the 25th of December now as well. And many Ukrainians in Canada celebrated December 25th. And then the real hardcore partiers like my family uh, celebrate on the 25th, and also again on the 7th of January. So we get both. Both uh, best of both worlds, but the Ukrainian or the Orthodox Christmas will happen on the seventh of January, and usually the biggest deal is the Christmas Eve as opposed to the Christmas Day thing. So uh, <clears throat> Christmas Eve's uh, usually celebrated by a huge uh, traditional supper, and so that supper uh, usually consists of twelve different kind of dishes. So some people say it, it represents the 12 months of the year. Uh, the religious people say it represents like the 12 apostles from the, from the Bible stories, but 12 is often a magical number in all kinds of different traditions. So that's one of the things there. And, and they're all meatless dishes because again, the, the religious people kind of have a fasting period before Christmas. So this is your last day of your fast, but you're eating like 12 different kinds of food and it's barely possible to get through all of them anyway so kind of a strange fast but but it's uh, but it consists of all kinds of things it starts off with a kind of a magical uh, food that uh, we call kucha and the kucha it's like a boiled wheat and it's mixed with the ground poppy seeds and honey and it's supposed to be representative kind of uh, of two things, like sort of the abundance of the earth, because most Ukrainians were from like a kind of agricultural sort of background, so most of them were farmers, and so wheat was kind of the main you know staple of their of their farming kind of 
business, but it also that 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 particular dish also represents your ancestors. So often, what you do is you uh, set a place at your table for all the people that aren't with you anymore. So those that either couldn't come to your table because they're away or those who have already passed on to the other world but we still have set aside some food for them in case they want to come and visit come visit us on that day and uh uh traditionally in the uh, you know in, when when you, most Ukrainians still lived on a farm one of the things they used to do was take that food and also some other foods and feed it to their animals before uh, before they ate themselves because they believed that on christmas eve the animals could talk and so they wanted to make sure that if the spirits came and asked the animal a question like, was your master good to you? <laughs> then they would answer, well, yes, he just gives some delicious food, right? And so we that, do that, yeah. That's really interesting because I've, I've come across that in the Mun's Folklore Language and Archive. And uh, there are some pockets of Newfoundland where they have, I guess, traditional stories about animals being able to talk on, on Christmas Eve, but I guess for here it would be December 24th. But Yeah, yeah. I think lots of cultures have that idea, yeah. uh, that same. And, and, you know, probably, you know, people that are from other cultures will have similar foods to what, you know, what I would describe as our traditional Ukrainian foods, and many of the probably customs are, are similar as well. You know, one of the other things we do is uh, usually at the beginning, well, I mean, not everybody does this anymore, but at one time, the uh, the head of the household, so I mean, that would be arguable who's the head of your household anyways, but in our case, it's whoever's crazy enough to go outside in the cold. You you could take some of that, the, that wheat f- uh, dish and go outside and also call all of the evil spirits of the world to come to you and say, here's your only chance. If you want to try and do something bad to us, try and do it today because we're waiting for you. Otherwise, don't come to our house again until next year. And then what you do is take a spoonful of that and throw it up onto your ceiling. And if lots of the uh, grain sticks to your ceiling, that means you're going to have a good a good year, like a bountiful harvest that year. So you want to get a big spoonful and big spoonful, and then usually, like if the cook is smart, they put lots of honey in there so that it's really sticky. So it'll stick a lot better. Uh, uh, we have a problem in our house because I, c- I don't actually know the actual tradition if people swipe wipe this off or not. But I just keep leaving it up from year to year just to see, like, did I have a good year last year or two years? Which year was better, right? And I had a problem in my house here in St. John's. Uh, our, there was a leak in our bathroom, so I had to hire some workers to come repair the floor. And uh, when they came in, they, you know, they were expecting a problem with the floor, and they walked through my dining room and said, looks like your roof's leaking too. I said, no, no, that's coming from the ground up, not from the top down. So, so you leave it up from year to year just yeah, as so that reminder. Yes. <laughs> And so what are some of the other foods that are in that 12, those 12 feasts or those 12 different 12 dishes? dishes? Well, we have, uh, after the after the kutya, like that uh, boiled wheat, we eat borscht, which is like a beet soup. So again, that's kind of pretty common in many different cultures, but we have a particular kind of recipe that's made just for Christmas. So usually borscht has all kinds of vegetables in it, but beets are the main thing that makes it red. But uh, on Christmas, it's usually predominantly beets and onions and some other stuff and not so many other vegetables. And they make a special kind of uh, dumpling. Like we have Ukrainian, North Americans call them pierogies, right? So you have, you know, dough with a filling, which is usually potatoes of some sort. So uh, 
for your borscht, we make a one that's called vushka. Vushka is the word for like tiny ears. So you, 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 you shape them so it looks like a little ear, but it's stuffed with um, mushrooms and garlic. So you float those in your soup, kind of like dumplings, and so usually they, everybody fights because they want more of those delicious little dumplings in their soup. Yeah. I think this, this podcast <coughs> is going to make me progressively hungrier. <laughs> yeah. And so then we have like a whole number of other uh, pierogies. In Ukrainian, they have different names. They always say pierogi if you're from one part of Ukraine or varanike from another part of Ukraine. But it's what North Americans would call pierogies. So we have some that are with potatoes, some with sauerkraut, uh, some with different kinds of fruit like blueberries or raspberries. Uh, um so there's four things right there, and your borscht, your vushka, your kutya, uh, cabbage rolls. So we have cabbage rolls stuffed with, uh, could be either with buckwheat or with rice, whichever you have. Uh, fish, usually some kind of fish. Uh, oh, there's a special bread that we make. It's called a kolach. So it's it's actually quite fancy looking too. Like you have to braid all of the dough together. So it comes out in a big round braid, and then you usually make three of those and stack them up on your table and put a candle in the top of it all. Uh, so we have that. Uh, what else do we have? Usually it's kind of gravy, uh, some sweets. They're kind of like, the best way we describe it would be like donuts. Like they're sort of like a fried donut with fruit inside of it. And uh, another thing that's stewed fruits, like dried fruit that you that you cook into a sort of sauce like that. So I think that's about it. Different places have different traditions. So some, you know, depending on what part of Ukraine, you might have more of this kind of food or that kind. But the thing that makes them the same, no meats in any of those. No meats, no dairy products, none of that stuff. So, uh, But you're usually still pretty, like I said, pretty pretty full after the end of eating all of that stuff, yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the other things people used to do, I still uh, do this here because uh, I have some small kids at home, uh, people put hay under their table, so you put hay on the floor under your table. You can hide stuff in there for the kids to look for after, so you hide, like, nuts or candies or little little trinkets inside there and they can dig around. And uh, some folks also put on the corners, four corners of your table, like under your tablecloth, they put a piece of clove of garlic on each four corners. So again, it's kind of to ward off all the evil spirits, you know. And there's lots of this ancestor kind of worship business. The, uh, one other thing that, again, it was different when people were all farmers. They often used to, when they were going to harvest their wheat, the first uh, sheaf that you cut, so the first little bundle was usually saved and you use that on Christmas Eve so it's brought into your house and put in the corner of your of your uh, house and it's supposed to also represent your all your ancestors and you, you, you save that. Now now because I mean, we're not farmers so we have a super fancy one that was made by our friends in Ukraine because they take all the stalks of uh, of wheat and actually weave them together and make a kind of a real decorative thing out of it. So that's become really popular, you know, in in, in Ukrainian uh, communities where you're not actually farming anymore. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, the traditions kind of vary depending on where you are from in Ukraine. So were you actually born in Ukraine or were you born in Canada? Uh, I was born in the part of Ukraine that's... Uh, between Ontario and Saskatchewan. Okay. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that large chunk. Yeah, the Western Canada is full of Ukrainians. Yeah. So there's there's lots of communities there where like the p- majority of the population is Ukrainian, and so that's why lots of these traditions were able to carry on for so long. My great grandparents came to Canada uh, more than a hundred years ago, but we still speak Ukrainian at, at home and still do all of these weird things and. Uh, 
you know, because it's there were enough. We had a pretty large extended family, plus there's all kind of our, you know, friends and neighbors were all kind of doing the same. So we didn't seem as didn't look as strange as, you know, when the repairman had to walk through my house and see weed <laughs> stuck to my ceiling, right? And where I'm from, if they looked up, they'd say, "Oh yeah, you had a good year last year, right?" <laughs> but uh, my my uh, relatives come from the western part of Ukraine. Uh, most of the Ukrainians that came to Canada at the beginning of the 20th century uh, came from that part of Ukraine. It used to be, uh, until the Second World War, uh, what's present-day Ukraine was kind of divided on half. So uh, the eastern half was initially, like a, for many a long period of time, part of the Russian Empire. And then when the Soviet Union uh, came into play at the beginning of the 20th century, that became part of the Soviet Union. The western part was uh, connected to the Austrian Empire, and so it remained uh, part of that until until the end of the Second World War, when the Soviets took over the all, all of all of the territory of Ukraine. So, my family's uh, village was like about ten kilometers from a river, which was the dividing line of that. So they could say, like they used to look across there, and say, we could see Russia on the other side of the river. <laughs> And your your wife is is she from the east or the west? She's part? from the western part yeah. of Ukraine. She's a, actually born in Ukraine, so uh, you know her family still lives there. And she's uh, from a little farther west and south of where I'm from. So her family lives in uh, what's called the foothills of the Carpathian Mountains. So it's kind of just the you know not up in the mountains yet. I think some of her one of her grandmothers was actually from a mountain uh, village, but the rest of the, her family are from the kind of foothills of the mountains. So. And that place has its own particular, like up in the mountains, they have really interesting uh, customs and traditions. And uh, because that area is kind of isolated, it's kind of like Newfoundland was, uh, you know, for a long time, uh, because, uh, uh, you know, you're on a, we're on an island here and separate from the mainland. And so, uh, and and then lots of people live in small communities, so it was easier to kind of maintain the same traditions for a longer period of time until you kind of get all of that influx of information from the rest of the world. And the same thing happened up in the mountains of Ukraine, like, you know, smaller villages, they're kind of hard to get to because, you know, you have to climb through the forest and up the mountain and whatever to get to them all. So their their traditions kind of lasted the lo- the longest, you know. And uh, there's been a revival of many kind of things. So stuff that, say, for example, my wife's parents wouldn't have done when they were young people, because during the Soviet era it was kind of frowned upon. It, it's all become really popular again. So the younger generations of people have have really you know taken this on and 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 made a. I don't know, like a, almost the whole industry of of new kinds of folk art, and yeah, lots, especially around Christmas time. So as I mentioned, you know, there's there's uh, these all these various kind of Christmas traditions. Uh, in Ukraine, there was a tradition of mummerings, just exactly the same as in Newfoundland. So we had mummers, people dressed up in costumes. You went from house to house. Uh, there were particular kinds. Sometimes you came to somebody's house and just sang carols, and we had two different kinds of carols. So there were Christmas carols. So they're kind of they, you know, kind of like your mainstream Christmas carols that talk about, you know, Bethlehem and the wise men and all of those stories like that. And then uh, there were also New Year's carols. And many of those uh, are still have their origins in the pre-Christian times. So you would come to someone's house and the carol that you sang was more like an incantation. So the words you're saying are like saying a magic 
spell for the people in the house. And usually what you come to say is you wish the people, you know, a good harvest. So some of the songs might talk about, and they have all this interesting imagery, like there's always talking about, you know, a magical land and where everything's growing and stuff like that. So really what you're wishing is that the people have a good harvest. Or if there's young people in the house, like of marrying age, so young girls or young boys, then you might come and sing a special carol for each of them. So, but usually they say instead of a girl, they'll say, "We have a princess," you know, and the, you know, some some knights or princes are going to come visit the princess, and they're bringing her special gifts and things like that. Or sometimes they say it's a, you know, car- uh, some of the carols they describe the girl as like a beautiful bird. There's some, you know, the most beautiful bird in the world is in this place and we, we have to bring whatever it is for the for the special bird and that, that, you know, those kind of things. So people dress up in different costumes. Uh, sometimes they, uh, usually the carolers carry a big star like a, you know, like a, a stick, you know, a stick with a highly decorated star at the top of it so there's like a huge industry of people making fancy stars now they have festivals of like all the people showing their fancy stars and all that kind of thing and uh so i mean for people that are really interested in that uh this week is you're going to be the ukrainian christmas so i'll be throwing food around my house (laughs) and then the next week is when the ukrainian kind of new year's celebrations happen so uh we're actually putting on a ukrainian new year's uh, kind of event here in town so I've got a couple of these each year I try to make another star so that people can see different kinds of stars so I made a couple this year already and uh, we'll have people dressed up in some of the costumes so there's different kind of characters in in the Ukrainian sort of they call Malanka Malanka it is the name both of a person in that New Year's kind of skit so it's like named after the girl's name Melanie you know Melania in Ukrainian or Malanka if you call her like a young girl and so usually you dress up like an ugly boy as the Malanka the young girl (laughs) and then you dress up a girl to be like the boy that's going to come meet her and then there's people dressed up as animals like goats and bears and all kinds of other stuff and then sometimes they make uh, they have like little plays uh, that make fun of you know politicians and people in your in your community and stuff like that i will see if we we might get to some of that even but <laughs> at the event yeah yeah i'm not sure i'm still kind of working on that but we certainly will play lots of interesting music anyway so yeah and you mentioned you were making the stars so what uh, i guess what kind of materials do you use when you're making the when you're constructing the stars uh, well uh i made one this year which is similar to i've been looking at some of the new stars that people are making there so i mean basically what people would do is make it out of whatever they had the first one i made because uh, we weren't even planning to have a special event it just turned out that my band happened to be playing right on the day that would have been the ukrainian new year's and so i thought hey you know what let's uh, let's make a star and dress up in the thing uh, but i just thought of it like the day before what can i make something out of so, like i made out of a pizza box like i got the circle from the inside of pizza and then i cut you know star points out of that and it worked fine but last year i made a kind of fancier one out of uh foam uh this year i made one already out of uh it, it it looks like the lanterns that they have at the lantern festival so that's actually one of the traditional ways of making star in ukraine so i made it out of wooden dowels and then it's all covered with uh tissue paper of different colors and then you can put a in the old days, you put a candle. Now it's the fire marshal won't allow. That's <laughs> put some kind of electric light inside there so that it, you <laughs> know, light can shine through the paper and stuff. Yeah, 
And, uh, and there's still a couple, uh, there's one more I'm, I haven't finished yet, so it's going to be a special reveal. Yeah, you have to come, <laughs> come and see what it looks like. And uh, you say, like, you've got a couple of small kids at home, so do they enjoy these, like, the Christmas season and, and New Year's? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. They, it's kind of funny because this year, like, they're small, but they're, like, you know, not, not babies, and so they have, they saw me hiding all the stuff in the hay when it was time to hide stuff underneath the table, but then they still had plenty of fun looking for it all after. I made a kind of a game out of it because we counted up how many people around the table, and I think I hid that many nuts, like, under the thing, so you have to find one nut for every person around the table, and they were, we have nine, no, we have ten, yeah. And why do they hide the the nuts in the hay? I don't think you kind of gave the background for that. Or oh well, I think the hay is supposed to represent like the hay in the manger, you know, in in the in the Christmas story. And so it's just you know there, you know, if you're following the Christmas story, like you go look in the hay for the greatest gift ever. And so these are kind of tiny gifts hidden in this hay under the table as well. And so you said your family kind of celebrates <laughs> from Western. The Western celebrations right up to the to the like the Ukrainian New Year. Yeah, well, in fact, we stretch it out even still longer because usually, like they say, there's three 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 winter holidays. Basically, you have the Christmas. So then, uh, two weeks later will be the Epiphany. So it's supposed to represent like when Christ was baptized in the River Jordan. So there's usually a big celebration for that. Uh, Ukrainians usually have a thing where they, you know, if the, the, those that are church going people, like they usually go to their church to have holy water blessed on that, on that holiday. And then they often would build a cross out of ice as well. So you build a big cross out of blocks of ice, uh, well, again, in Western Ukraine and Western Canada, this is possible because we have frozen lakes. So, you know, you would cut a, cut a, you know, blocks of ice out of the ice and stack them up to make a cross. And then often they would go to that body of water, you know, to, to do, have their religious ceremony where they bless water as well. And, uh, but I mean, this was also practical. My grandmother told me, like, they used to have a, uh, like what you would call a root cellar here in, Newfoundland, so that's where they used to keep food cold. So those blocks of ice that they cut from the from the lake would go in the root cellar, and they would cover that with hay and sawdust, and that would keep the food cool all summer. Yeah, and uh, and then the third ho- holiday is usually the uh, 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 oh goodness, what is it now? <laughs> Anyways, two weeks after that, this is yet a third, so they call it the small Christmas evening. So you have you have one, second, and a third one after that. Yet, yeah. And you mentioned Christmas Eve is kind of the the big thing. So does anything in particular happen on Christmas Day, or is it really mostly focused on Christmas Eve? Uh, like traditionally, it was mostly that because it wasn't, you know, again, the old, you know, the older traditions. The, the villages of Ukraine were mostly, I mean, the kind of homogenous kind of place. Uh, you know, everybody was uh, often a f- the whole village attended the same church or something like that. So they followed mostly the church holiday kind of pattern like that. And so that, you know, that was their big celebration, having your fan, you know fancy meal and then you'd go to church at midnight or whatever, or go caroling from house to house in your village and Again, like I mentioned, when I lived in the prairies, 
we even used to eat our Christmas dinner and then go caroling from house to house. And there were lots of uh, places where I could walk down the same street and every second or third house was, was another Ukrainian and we could just stop into their house on our way to going to where the, the church was farther down the, down the road, that kind of thing. But, uh, Christmas Day, I mean, now it's just like everybody else's Christmas. We have a tree and kids open presents and, but in the old fashioned tradition, uh, kids got their presents uh, on the old calendar on the 19th of December from St. Nicholas. That's the holiday of St. Nicholas. So the, fe- of, you know, religious feast day of St. Nicholas, happens on the, I think on the 6th of December on the regular calendar and 19th on the old style calendar. So that's when kids would get a, get presents so that they weren't expecting them on the 25th because they already got them like a week or a week and a half earlier. Yeah. So I guess in the older customs, so it's the December, tw- December 19th. So that's St. Nicholas Day, then the 7th, the 6th, well, I guess the night of the 6th, then January 6th. Yeah, 6th going to the 7th, and then again the 13th going to the 14th, and then again the 19th of January going to the, yeah, like that. And in North America, we just stretch it as much as you like. So we used to get, expect a present from St. Nicholas and another one from Santa Claus and then something else and whatever it is. <laughs> that's an awesome, that's yeah, a great. Yeah, it was super great. <laughs> and then we used to have, like, some neighbors, uh, again, because in Canada, uh, some or some of the churches switched over to the regular system, you know, and have their Christmas Eve on December 25th, and then some places stuck to keeping it like their Christmas Eve is January the 6th. And so, uh, when I was a small kid, we had some neighbors who were like the 6th of January was their Christmas Eve, uh, but they were already like going into some Canadian tradition. So they wanted to put a Christmas tree. The Christmas tree wasn't always a part of Ukrainian traditions, but it mean everybody in Canada had a tree. But they would wait until the December 25th people put their Christmas tree out on the curb, and then they could just take that on the house and put it up for them, you know, for a couple of days around their January Christmas and then put it back out on the curb. That's a great way <laughs> to reuse and like incorporate sure. against different customs. Yeah. yeah, if you celebrate in January, you can buy all your kids' Christmas presents on sale uh, after Boxing Day, right? That's a great point. Yeah, <laughs> get all those Boxing Day sales. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess one other thing, I guess maybe we could talk about a little bit is I know you've played at the uh, the Folk Art Society when they do their uh, Christmas uh, Christmas wassail. Yeah. Yeah, we've done that a couple times for them now. Yeah. And I remember going one year and you were playing, and I'm, it's like a dulcimer, but that's not the proper term. Uh-huh. Well, the thing that I, it's called it cymbala in Ukrainian. Okay. So it looks like the inside part of a piano. So a regular piano has a whole bunch of strings on the inside, and when you play the keys, there's there's uh, hammers that correspond with each thing you press that hit hit a string and make it vibrate. And on this thing, I just have two hammers that I hold in my hands and just hit all the strings, you know, moving around it instrument the reason for that is this easier carry than a whole piano so you could put it on your neck and actually walk with it and people that's what was done in the again back in ukraine and even in western canada like when ukrainians first came to canada uh most bands that they had for weddings and parties were like a fiddle a cymbala the thing that i play and usually some kind of a drum and uh, say for example if uh, people were getting married they would have like a you know all kinds of rituals that happen in your house, and then and then musicians would lead the parade, and you'd go all the way like to a church where you'd have a church wedding, and then they'd lead the parade all the way back to your house again, where you'd have like more rituals and partying and stuff like that. So hard to pull a piano down the road, but yeah, but you could walk with it symbolic. 
it's still it's still pretty heavy, but but you could do it. Yeah. Well, I imagine what's it? It's made <coughs> out of like it's got to be pretty. Mine's pretty heavy because it has it, it's got to be first of all. Uh, it's pretty solid wood all around its frame, and then mine has 150 strings plus 150 like metal tuning pegs. So the strings itself are several pounds of string, you know, of, of metal there, and two, 150 tuning pegs also probably weighs a couple pounds. So altogether, I haven't actually weighed it. No, I have weighed it because I have to take it on the plane. I think it weighs somewhere around 30 pounds, something like that. So yeah, bit heavy to walk around with. Yeah, yeah. So if people wanted to uh, hear some Ukrainian music and check out the Ukrainian New Year's, so where is that happening again? Uh, that's on the 13th of January. It'll be over at the ship, and it starts at 9 o'clock. So I know downtown shows in St. John's, they often start at ungodly hours, like 11 and 12 and whatever. Uh, we try as often as possible. Sometimes we play those late shows, but we try as often as possible to tr- get stuff earlier in the evening as well. So ours is going to start at 9 o'clock sharp, so I think the doors open at the ship at 8.30, and w- there's also going to be borscht and pierogi served at our show so if you want to check those out i won't throw anything on the roof of the ship because <laughs> i don't think the owners would would take kindly to that i did that once we were playing a show there and i have a special machine that can shoot sausages and so i i did that once but it made a mess on the floor and they asked us please don't bring the sausage uh, shooting device again <laughs> so, so we won't throw any food around but you can taste some so and if there are people are interested, there's tickets available. You can buy them right at the ship. They're they're there now, or at you uh, know in, in advance. You can buy them at the ship at Fred's Records, and at uh, O'Brien's Music. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me here. I'm Tara Barrett. You've been listening to the Living Heritage, a co-production of CHMR Radio 93.5 and the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. We would love to know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening.